Hi there. I'm Rex Bullock, and I want to invite you into a weekly worship service that we call Dayspring. You'll find beautiful music and a message from the Word of God and a wonderful interview today. Say, this is the month that we honor our mothers, and today I'm going to be talking about a very wonderful mother from the Old Testament by the name of Abigail. Abigail was married to a rough customer whose name was Nabal. Now, God is still God despite the Nabals. Despite your life with its myriad sadnesses, despite every jarring disappointment, you may lose all faith in everything, but don't lose faith in God. Abigail didn't, and you need to listen today.
Welcome, my friend, to this edition of Dayspring, the program that encourages you to live by God's standard. Today, Rex begins a series on mothers. Today's message centers around an Old Testament mom named Abigail and the man she had to put up with. Well, this is a brand new month, and we're adding a feature this month I know you're going to enjoy. Today, Rex talks with pastor and author Dr. Erwin Lutzer. He pastors Moody Memorial Church in Chicago. They're talking about his new book, Seven Snares of the Enemy. And a little later, we'll tell you how you can receive your copy. But right now, here's Rex and his very special guest. Thanks, Joe. And today, I have with me a very special guest on Dayspring. And I am so thrilled that uh, we get the privilege of talking to Dr. Erwin Lutzer, who for 21 years has been uh, the senior pastor at Moody Memorial Church in Chicago, famed church across uh, the history of modern evangelicalism, and uh, host of uh, several radio programs himself and author of over 20 books. But we're talking specifically today about a new book that you have written, Dr. Lutzer. It's called Seven Snares of the Enemy. Welcome to Dayspring. I'm so glad to be with you, Rex, and uh, thank God for all of your listeners and for the opportunity to talk together. Tell me, what uh, what brought you to write this particular book? Well, you know, when you look at the scriptures and you look into your own life, you realize that all of us struggle with sin. But there are certain sins that I think are even more pronounced in our society today than in the past. Uh, For example, this book deals with such issues as gambling, which used to be something that uh, was kind of hidden. Today it's very open. Alcoholism, of course, also. But then we have um, a uh, chapter on pornography and greed. And it's the kind of thing that uh, Satan lays snares for us. And his desire, of course, is to trip us up and to entrap us. And one of the things that I hope to do in the book that's very important to me is to have people read it who are not necessarily involved in those sins because it also gives us a great warning about uh, their seduction and their power to control. And uh, also, of course, I'm very interested in stressing the fact that the way out is not just simply Scripture, though that is very important, and prayer and yieldedness, but the body of Christ. I frequently tell people, you know, it's possible to fall into a pit alone, But uh, oftentimes it's not possible to get out alone. So here's a book that I hope will bring healing and help to many, many people. Let's talk just uh, a little bit about one area, which uh, is the area of greed. Uh, What do you have to say along that line in this book? I'll tell you what. I begin with greed, even though it is a sin that is uh, very widespread because greed exists in all of our hearts. But the other thing, Rex, that is so important is that most people don't see it because we justify it. We say everybody needs money to live, and it's nothing wrong, you know. It isn't money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of it, and I don't love it. It's just that I think about it all the time, and I cuddle it, and I date it, but I don't really love it, you know what I mean? We have those rationalizations. But the Bible says that greed is idolatry. Mm. And uh, it seems to me that when you look at the parables and ministry of Jesus, he was constantly putting his finger on the sin of greed, which he identified as existing in the human heart. But here's the tricky part. We don't condemn greed today. So this sin is allowed to grow, to take over a lot of our lives, and everybody thinks it's fine. Now, if you fall into alcoholism or immorality, that's something else. Mm -hmm. But greed is very much condoned and very much hidden. So I begin my book actually talking about that. 
Well, we're going to get to spend uh, this month with uh, Dr. Lutzer, and I'm looking forward to uh, you being with us next week. And we'll talk more about uh, Seven Snares of the Enemy. Joe Alcorn, tell our listeners how they can receive their copy. Thank you, Rex, and thank you, Dr. Lutzer. Dr. Lutzer returns again next week with another visit. And Rex wanted me to tell you about Dr. Lutzer's newest book and how you can receive your copy. No one, my friend, is immune from the seven snares of the enemy. Greed, gambling, alcoholism, pornography, sexual sins, and the search for pleasure. This book discovers God's answers for all of us, even those who have fallen the furthest away. Write for your copy today as you share a love gift to Dayspring. Our address, Post Office Box 56300, Portland, Oregon 97238. That's P.O. Box 56300, Portland, Oregon 97238. And you can also order by our toll-free telephone number. Here it is. Write it down. 1-800-783-DAYS. 1-800-783-DAYS. Well, my friend, as we spread the good news of Jesus Christ, will you remember us with your prayers and financial giving? We'll thank you in advance. And now, before today's message, simply called Abigail, let's enjoy Another music selection. He is now to be among you at the calling of your hearts. Rest assured, this troubadour is acting on his part. The union of two spirits here has caused him to remain. For whenever two or more of you are gathered in his name, there is love. With today's message simply called Abigail, here's Rex. If you look in the dictionary under the word churl, you'll find a picture of Nabal. He was a mean man. Mean on purpose. He was loaded with money, 
a big rancher of the lower slopes of Mount Carmel. He stepped on people to get what he wanted. Young David had organized a peacekeeping force of 600 fighting men. Now, this was before he became king, still on the run from King Saul. David's vigilantes had kept the Philistines from stealing the Israeli farmers blind. In gratitude, they gave David basic provisions, such as food and clothing. It was a small price to pay to this man who gave them peace in their land. Now, one day, David sent ten young men to Nabal's ranch for needed supplies. Well, it happened to be shearing season, and the rancher was not thrilled to see the emissaries on his property. "'Who is this upstart David?' he snarled. "'As far as I'm concerned, he's a renegade. I have no intention of giving him a thing, and you can tell him that.' Well, tradition indicates that David had red hair. Now, if that's true, his temperament now matched it. And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about four hundred men, and two hundred abode by the stuff. Now that's from First Samuel 25. If Nabal would not ante up the agreed-upon provision, then David would just take it by force. He felt obligated to make an example of this churlish landowner or risk the danger of other farmers following Nabal's lead. But if he did charge Nabal's camp, King Saul would seize upon the action as an excuse to publicly declare him a complete brigand, one who did not hesitate to attack his own people. It was kind of a classic catch-22. Now, off in the distance rose the dust of a very large caravan, and as it approached David's camp, observers could make out the pack animals heavily laden with grain and fruit and fresh, freshly killed meat. The supply train came to a halt nearby, and David saw one of the most gorgeous women he had ever seen. She strode toward him. "'I seek David, the son of Jesse,' she said. "'You found him,' he replied. "'Who are you?' "'I'm Abigail, the wife of Nabal. "'I was not there when your young men came for supplies, David. "'Had I been, none of this misunderstanding would have taken place. "'I'm sorry for Nabal's greed and foolishness, "'but please do not shed his blood.' I have brought you more provisions than Nabal would ever have given you. Let this blessing cause you to forgive my husband's transgressions. Well, I'm paraphrasing First Samuel 25, but it's an interesting story. And this gesture on Abigail's part saved a lot of people from dying on that day long ago. David immediately called a halt to the mission, and the soldiers instead began unpacking the supply wagons. Abigail made the difference between life and death, especially for her husband. Now, that dear lady shared some of the problems that plague many, many wives in our day. Just for openers, they're married to total dolts. I mean, 
guys that are just, ah, I don't know if there's any real word for them. Once the wedding ceremony ends, the the groom turns into a pumpkin, sort of a couch potato, a sad sack. His idea of a romantic dinner evening is spam and beer in front of the tube. For some, the situation is much worse, with the husband becoming mean and abusive, verbally and physically. Let's face it, there are thousands upon thousands of modern-day Nabals running around loose. And their Abigails face a rough day every day of their lives. Oh, yeah, I meet them. I meet them a lot. Battered, hurt, sometimes abused psychologically, if not physically. Others are simply left alone. They're neglected. They have no one to talk to. A multitude of present-day Abigails in our society are married to Nabals. Now, what do they do? How do they react? What is their hope? What's their future? What's their promise? Well, the ancient story that we've just talked about is as fresh as this moment. And those bulwarks of life that sustained Abigail will sustain you, my friend. That's why during this month that we're honoring mothers, I want to talk about a very significant woman. First of all, Abigail had not lost her faith in God. Nabal had let her down. No question about that. Life had not been pleasant for her. She doubtless was betrothed in marriage to Nabal by her parents, who counted the dowry more than they counted the joy of their daughter's life. But despite those dark corners of her existence, Abigail refused to grow bitter, and she would not relinquish her faith in God. Now, let me tell you this. God is still God, despite the Nabals. Despite your life with its myriad sadnesses, despite every jarring disappointment, you may lose all faith in everything, but don't lose your faith in God. Not long ago, my path crossed that of a woman who had prayed for her husband's salvation for 53 years. And finally, the answer came. Did it take God 53 years to answer the prayer? No. No, it took 53 years for her Nabal to respond. But that precious saint never lost sight of the fact that her solace had a divine source and God would provide. Something else about Abigail merits our attention. She made her pathetic husband look good. Abigail covered her husband's transgressions by bringing a heavily laden caravan of provisions. She not only spared his life by her generous action, but she allowed his protection by David to continue. You know, it takes a woman of godly heart to provide that kind of covering. The words of our Lord give us the channel through which we must flow. Ye have heard that it hath been said... Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That's from Matthew chapter 5. You know the account of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Scripture tells us, David received of her hand that which she had brought him, and said unto her, Go up in peace to thine house. See, I have hearkened to thy voice, and have accepted 
thy person. Once again, 1 Samuel 25. Abigail's action not only saved her household, but really saved David also. You see, had he gone ahead with his original plan to put the sword to Nabal, it's doubtful God could ever have used him in the way he did. David would have been branded as a vengeful hothead, bringing down the full weight of Saul and probably the Philistines as well. Nabal, he died only a few days later. Now, there was something contagious about Abigail. I want you just to think about that. There was something very contagious about her. Her goodness seemed to rub off on others. Her generous counteraction to her husband's original action saved her family and won David's heart. In fact, after her husband's death, she ultimately became David's wife. Even in her difficult days with Nabal, her morality remained unblemished. Maybe she had friends say to her, Listen, Abby, Nabal is a loser. He's a cheater. Why remain faithful to him anyhow? After all, your parents foisted you off on him in exchange for some stock. You don't owe him anything. Why don't you just live a little? But that kind of advice would never have penetrated Abigail's pure heart. She had made a vow to Nabal, and she would keep it. And she did until the moment of his death. Abigail would not run her life by the unfortunate acts of others. She had a different standard, and she lived it. Now, maybe you live in a festering domestic hell. Your husband has not treated you right. Your closest friends advise you to pitch him. Your heart has started to fill with the sewage of bitterness. You're taunted by despair. Nothing in your life seems worthwhile. And you're very much tempted to begin making your circumstances dictate your response. I want to say that again. You're very much tempted to make your circumstances dictate your response. Don't do it. Don't do it. Abigail didn't, and you don't have to either. The only thing that must dictate our lifestyle is the indwelling Christ. Paul said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus always appeals to the best within you by his Spirit. Ah, and you know what? His Spirit working in you brings out that wonderful quality. Satan, on the other hand, appeals to the lowest responses. And like Abigail, you have to decide which road to take. I love this story. Abigail was a great woman, a bright ray of sunlight. I'm anxious to meet her one day in heaven. Oh, the stories she will be able to tell. She came out of a home atmosphere that could have spawned a modern soap opera. But she determined by the grace of God to live her life on a different note. She followed God, not the world, and she brought out the best in those that she touched. I'm asking you, will you be like Abigail? There's something about her goodness that seemed to rub off on others. Oh God, may it rub off on us today. May the spirit of Abigail be found in this very modern time. 
I'm asking that even right now, there'll be someone or ones like Abigail who will be winsome and worthy. And I pray that they will be women of God, even despite rough circumstances and bad environment and tough circumstances. Oh God, I pray who would just make them to be all that they can be. We're praying that in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you, Rex. Rex returns next week with another message for Mother's Day called The Shumanite Woman, a Model Mother from Second Kings chapter 4. And as we leave you today, one last reminder to order the book by Dr. Erwin Lutzer, Seven Snares of the Enemy. Please claim your copy, and please write down our mailing address. It's Dayspring, Post Office Box 56300, Portland, Oregon, 97238. For speedier service, you can order by our toll-free telephone number, 1-800-783-DAYS. Now, on behalf of Rex, Dr. Erwin Lutzer, and the entire Dayspring team, goodbye until next week at this same time on this fine station. Well, then what's to be the reason for becoming man and wife? Is it love that brings you here or love that brings you life? For if loving is the answer, then who's the giving for? It's all because of Jesus, down to the very core. And there is love.